Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the car cast after USC's 38-20 blowout loss to the UCLA Bruins at the car cast uh, at the Coliseum. It's not a car cast. They should name the Coliseum after the car cast. I think that would be a good idea. I think we'd all be in agreement with that personally. Uh, but at the Coliseum, uh, we're going to talk about it uh, and so much more here on this episode. As always, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can email us, reignoftroyatfansite.com, and you can call us, 818-643-7227. Second, what's Bruin Show? I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Rancho Studio, live in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, where do we begin? Um, we begin with the fact that, uh, I was already sick coming into today and watching that game did nothing for my health. Um, it definitely made it worse. Um, that was just pure embarrassing, straight up embarrassing. Um, this is twice now this season that USC has had their most embarrassing performance of the season against a rival. So that's where we start. Yeah, this was (laughs) one of the weirdest games um, I think I've ever seen Uh, in the sense that uh, USC analytics um, put out a tweet Um, in a season where the DC was fired. USC's defense played well enough to win against UCLA. The offense had too many negative plays and turned the ball over three times and turned it over on downs twice leading to four touchdowns and 28 points for UCLA. The Bruins earned 21 points off of short fields and seven directly off of a turnover. USC's defense only allowed 10 points on normal drives. There weren't many normal drives in the game because SC turned the ball over a metric crap ton in this game. Uh, Multiple fumbles. Uh, what, What was... Uh, there was an interception from Caleb Williams. The the fumble with from Marshawn Lloyd ended up turning into a scoop and score for the Bruins. This was a game that started off really poorly for SC, um, going forward on fourth down on the first drive of the game, which gave UCLA a short field. They scored. They ended up going up 14-0. It looked like the Trojans were clawing back. They scored 10 points in the second quarter. Looked like things were going, starting to go their way. The way that the third quarter started, the Trojans recover a fumble in the red zone. Suddenly things are, are moving in SC's favor. No, uh, gets overturned because TJ Harden's knee was down. UCLA scores a couple of plays later. And then the first play uh, on the ensuing drive is a Marshawn Lloyd Handoff, scoop and score. 
Uh, and that was basically the game right there. UCLA went from being up 14-10 and fumbling the ball in the red zone to suddenly being up 28 to 10 uh, with all the momentum in the world in a blink of an eye. And yeah, it puts all of the emphasis on how poor of a performance this was for USC because I, I don't know about you, but I think, I think this was as bad of a performance that I've seen SC in terms of effort in terms of, uh, any of those, uh, you know, non real thing metrics that you want to throw in here, any anecdotal, like, uh, efforts, umph, um, care. I don't know any of those things. When was the last time that you saw an SC team look just this out of sorts in, in general, like not to say that SC always looks overly sharp, but you know, Today was a certain kind of bad in that sense. The last time I saw a USC team that played with this slow, this little effort was the final weeks of the 2021. The, that Cal game. Yeah. Where it was just like, okay, all right. We want, we all want this season to be over and now it is. And um, yeah, I, I had a bad feeling about the game from the moment I saw that Jarrett Kingston would be out on the offensive line. The offensive line was already going to be in a really tough spot against a stout UCLA defensive front. Yeah. Losing a starter there pretty much foretold what was going to come as far as the, the, the offensive line. Um, but even that it's, you can have a game where your offensive line is forcing Caleb Williams to run for his life, which USC has been in that position many, many times. Mm -hmm. You can't turn the ball over three times. Yeah. You just yeah. you just cannot do that. Marshawn Lloyd is my favorite football player on the planet most of the time, but he cut three different times on that on that run when he could have just stuck and taken the yards that were available to him. He cuts and then he cuts and then he cuts again mm -hmm. and then he gets hit and he and he does a devastating fumble that loses USC the game effectively. Um, Brendan Rice doesn't hold on to the ball. Uh, doesn't fight for the ball on the interception. Um, it, it's, it's always these kinds of games where your best players, your most reliable players, the players who have dragged you through it are the ones making the critical errors. And that's how you end up losing a, a blowout loss yeah. to a rival. Um, in Notre Dame, it was Caleb making critical errors. Today it was Brendan Rice and, and Marshawn Lloyd making critical errors along with all of the other problems that, that this, that this team has had mm -hmm. uh, all season. So it's, it's complicated, but it's also very simple at the same time. Yeah. You simply will not win a lot of games where you give away three touchdowns. You certainly three interceptions, sorry, three turnovers. Yeah. You certainly won't win a lot of games where you give the opposing team free points in terms of touchdowns. Um, and you're not going to have a lot of winning seasons when your turnover margin is in the negatives, and that's where USC finds themselves now. Yeah, USC will finish the season with a with a uh, negative two turnover margin, which is worse than the 2021 season, by the way. Um, last year's turnover margin was plus 21, and yeah, they had a, a ridiculous turnover luck that was 
always going to revert to the mean, but this year they had half as many turnovers forced and twice as many turnovers given away. And that's how you end up seven and five. Yeah. And I think the, the thing is the turnover is really compounded in the games like this. Um, the Notre Dame game and which was, what was that? Five turnovers in the Notre Dame game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the UCLA game are there. There's eight turnovers right there. And in a lot of ways, the more I think about it, those two games are the same game. Um, um, this sounds crazy, but like in terms of like sheer defensive performance on a per play basis, today was SC's best defensive outing of the year. Um, they held UCLA to 4.7 yards per play, which is the lowest that they've allowed all season. I'm not going to sit here and say that this was a great defensive performance. Uh, in general, it wasn't. Uh, they allowed 13, 13 third down conversions, which is insane. I, I went back and looked very quickly on CFB stats about the, the they were 13 of 20. Yeah. Uh, which is good for what's the percentage on that? 70, uh, 70%, which is horrific to be giving yeah. up 65 uh, actually. Yeah. Uh, either way, anything above 50% is horrific. Um, when you're doing it, when you're, when you're facing 20 third down conversions and they, and they convert 13 times, that's horrific. Right. CFB stats has stats going back to 20 to 2009. The most USC had ever given up in a single game was 11. And yeah, that was a and, rare, like it was extremely rare for USC to have given up 11 turnover, 11 third down conversions. Uh, that's, but that's the defense. Like that's what you, right. This defense is just not, we, we know what this defense is, uh, but they still like, despite that, like I said, they, they held UCLA to 4.7 yards per play, which this is not a world beater UCLA offense. So like, I'm not saying that this is not sitting here saying that this was a great defensive performance from SC, but it was enough. It should be enough for the offense to be able to do something with. And the offense just did not because of those turnovers. Uh, SC ran the ball for all of three yards, three rushing yards in this game, three uh, Marshawn Lloyd ran for uh, 17 yards on eight carries, averaging just 2.1 yards per carry. Austin Jones, six, uh, six carries, six yards. Zion, uh, Zachariah Branch, one carry, zero yards. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Caleb Williams negative yards. A lot of those are sacks. But the sack-adjusted rushing yards for USC was 1.6 yards per carry. And I'm going to sit here with the hottest of hot takes that I've ever said in a, like I was telling you before we started, this might be the craziest thing I've ever said in a game. I mean, after a game, I think SC ran the ball too much. They ran the ball for three yards. I think they ran the ball too much because it was evident from the very first drive that running the ball up the middle was not going to be productive. And SC continued to do that into the second half. And I don't understand why. Um, they, I, I didn't think that Marshawn Lloyd was put in a position to succeed. I didn't think that Austin Jones was put in a position to succeed. When SC had the best 
sort of drives. They were the drives where they were getting those guys out in space. They were trying to go away from running right at uh, UCLA's front. Um, that fourth down play on the very first drive of the game. Like, I I don't hate a fourth down go for it on fourth and short, but we know what that I hate this there is, more, what, is, is the play. What, I hate no, the what, play. What I hate there more is the third down play. Third and three, and they go empty set. And then you end up in a in a fourth and and one situation, and you fail there too. No. Yeah. Not it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I where were the option plays in the running game? I don't know. We saw all those option plays in the very first game against San Jose State, and then they went out of the out of the playbook. Uh, there was an option touchdown against um, Notre Dame. I think think they've ran like two or three option plays the rest of the year. I would have liked to see what they could have done today. I don't Would they have made a difference? Maybe not, but anything well, other the problem- than, than the runs that they called. And if they were going to just try to run up the middle, then you're running the ball too much and don't do it because it wasn't going to go anywhere because it didn't. That's part of the problem is that when, and I say this all the time, but it, it's true. When your offensive line is not functional, it doesn't really matter what you think you can try to do. Right. Your offensive line has to be functional in order for you to to execute most of the things that uh, that, that you want to see. Uh, yeah. USC has not done some of the things that you can do to uh, to deal with the fact that your offensive line is non functional. Uh, the quick passing game is not something that USC has relied on often enough. They and, and did the, it against did, Utah, though. They did it against Utah yeah. because there, there was such a emphasis to not let the offensive line lose them the game against against Utah that they went so heavily into the quick passing game then they ended up never giving the offensive line a chance. We talked about it, like, yeah. let them fail, right? Like, where was that game plan today? Like at least go to that when, when the offensive line is failing, then go to the, to the way to protect them with the quick passes with, we didn't see nearly as many of those as I thought that, you know, the offense could have, uh, and, and it could have, it, it could have, it, it could have kept drives going, especially when the problem for SC was the Trojans came into this game, the number one team in red zone touchdown percentage. And the problem is that they didn't finish off their drives Yeah. Uh, in the, in the second quarter, two drives, they did not get into the end zone. And if they do uh, the two red zone drives that they get into the end zone and then they get in there in the third quarter, like they have 28 points and suddenly, you know, they're, they're right there in this game, but mm-hmm. they didn't do that. They had to settle for field goals. They missed a field goal and all those things compound. Uh, and it doesn't help because those drives ended up stalling because what happened on third down, you UCLA could pin their ears back, get after Caleb Williams and get the sack. And that sort of doomed the drive. Yeah. And that happened way too often. Yeah. Um, they, they, I thought UCLA did a very good job of keeping Caleb from being able to take off and run um, down the field. He was able to be elusive in, in the backfield and avoid tackles that way, but there was always somebody in front of him, so he couldn't get going and, and create positive plays out of broken plays that way. Yeah, And they did a good job of penning him in and, and setting themselves up to get those sacks. Uh, and you really have to tip your cap to, uh, to Danton Lynn and the UCLA defense there. Um, 
but still it, it comes down to, okay, you can't let him sit back there in the pocket. Then you got to go with a tunnel screen or you got to go yeah. with a quick slant or you got to go with a quick curl or, or something. I mean, something I, it's, yeah. it's, it's frustrating because it feels like USC's um, USC's offense is too committed to being uh, an explosive sort of all world offense. And when it can't be that uh, the, the, the more conservative sort of game plan doesn't, doesn't translate. It doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Uh, so that's, that's the frustrating thing here because, you know, the, the USC offense that's top, top five in the country, the USC offense that can, that can get going and put up, put up points against pretty much anybody. I mean, we look at the, sure they struggled against, against Notre Dame, but if they just repeat their performance against Utah, against a very good Utah defense, they got a, they've got a chance in this game, but they, they repeat the performance in terms of not turning the ball over. Yes. In terms of not turning the ball over in terms of, of, competing against a difficult well i think uh, against a difficult it could have been very similar in that sense where they didn't turn over the ball they didn't necessarily do a lot on offense against utah but they didn't turn the ball over and by not turning the ball over they you give yourself a chance they at least gave themselves a chance and that's why it's it's an execution issue it's it's um you know i can i can scream about how marshawn lloyd needs more carries but if he fumbles the ball that way and that's not the first time he's fumbled in a really bad spot yeah. Then I get, you know, you, you lose trust and I can sit here and scream about how Brendan Rice could be a really top level receiver for you. If you, if you not force fed him, but decided that you were just going to get the ball into his hands and just go for it. Um, and they did that in this game, eight catches, 147 yards and a touchdown. He has a, a huge game, but he also fumbles. He's also at the scene of the crime on an interception. Like the, you can't ask for these, the more of these concepts to be, to be fulfilled and then turn around and have the mistakes come from, from your best players. And and you certainly yeah. can't ask your quarterback to go out there and be Superman every play when his offensive line is getting destroyed on every play. Like it just, it, it just sucks. The whole, the whole thing sucks. And the vibes were off from, from the get go. And yeah. Um, do you, do you think this was, do you think some of this was like the 2013 game where 2013 game, it, a lot was on the line. That was the game that Ogeron lost as the head coach that SC just got dominated at home, but a lot was on the line in that game, but SC suffers an injury on the offensive line uh, on the first drive of the game. Marcus Martin, I think, got hurt yeah. on the first drive of the game. Yeah. Uh, and he's out. And there was a lot of energy in the Coliseum that night. And he immediately just got zapped. And it felt like the air was completely out of the balloon at that point. Um, and UCLA just dominated SC the rest of the way. I almost felt like that was the case today, except there never was any energy at the Coliseum no. because there was no reason for there to be. Essie is coming into this game off of a second half of the year in which they've been bumbling along and stumbling. Uh, and then on top of that, you get the news in, in pregame uh, that they're going to be uh, with the, the, they're going to be without Kingston on the offensive line. And 
it's kind of the same thing where like given the way that the, the game goes, they, they get no push up front on the offensive line. It, it did seem like they were sort of doomed with going up against a UCLA front um, that is so vaunted that we talked about that their UCLA defense is legit. Uh, one of the best in the country, especially at stopping the run. And when you have one of your offensive linemen out, that only adds to it, especially when this is an offensive line that we know that has struggled even when they're fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew in the chat says that the, the offense is not the issue. I I beg to do, the offense is not the issue in necessarily. In a macro in, sense. In, in, yeah, yeah. In, in the macro sense. In the uh, story of why USC loses this game. In this, yes. Yeah, it is. Then they are, yes. Uh, the, the offense is why SC lost this particular game. Uh, and both of the rivalry games, uh, both of the rivalry games, SC gets jiggle bagged. Uh, and it's because of the turnovers. It's because the offense wasn't able to answer the bell because they turned the ball over and they put the put the defense in a position uh, to not succeed against on short fields and all those things. It's it was the offense today. Um, this isn't necessarily a competition. It doesn't need to be a competition of whose fault it was, the offense or the defense, because this was a team lost in every sense. Oh, and uh, I was, we came into the game saying, man, could USC put together a complete performance? They did a completely bad performance. Oh, that, that's, that's valid. Yes. Uh, well, that's, that, like, this could have been so much worse too. Like given how bad the, uh, the, the offense was uh, in terms of not finishing off the drives and, having turnovers and all of those things had the UCLA offense been better and finished off their drives, which they didn't do a lot of times they missed a field goal. Uh, they had to punt uh, in, in that second quarter, three different times. Like if they were able to finish off their drives, this game could have been so insanely ugly. Make no mistake. UCLA's offense is not good. It didn't suddenly get great. Um, Ethan Garbers is not suddenly the hero of of UCLA and is going to be putting out these kinds of performances against uh, every team that he faces. Uh, Just like with Utah, the the best remedy to playing a, to having your offense look like it can't tie its shoes together uh, is to play the USC defense because- everybody looks 15 to 20 points better than they are playing this defense. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we saw with, with UCLA. And that's sort of what I expected. I expected UCLA to score somewhere in the area of 30 points because they're not a good, they're not a good offense, but USC's offense would, would USC's defense would help them along, which is why the issue here is that USC's offense not only scores only 20 points, but hands an additional touchdown to a UCLA offense that was never going to have more of an output than, you know, the right. 31 points that they did Yeah, because they're not capable of it. Um, and that's not, I'm not trying to shade UCLA. They won the game fair and square. And by the way, Ethan Garbers made some really, really great plays. The, the, the touchdown pass that, that he had when Jalen Smith was all over yeah. was incredible. If that was, Caleb Williams, people would have been creaming their pants. Yeah, backbreaking plays that that he made, and you have to give him credit for those. Um, but realistically, this out this offensive performance from UCLA is is a reflection of USC's defense. Yeah, 
we've seen that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's one thing to be, you know, stifled or slowed down by a great defense. Um, and if that was the case, like you said, if it was similar to say the Utah game, um, and this was an isolated incident, um, it would be one thing. Um, especially on a, on a day where as much criticism as I think can go around for the offensive performance, I don't think you can really criticize Caleb Williams that much himself. Like the the one pick was him doing the thing that you told him to want to do. Like, and again, I, I can't, I can't <laughs> argue for the quarterback to give his receivers a chance on 50, 50 balls. Right. If they're going to lo- lose those 50, 50 balls and result in an interception. Like I, I it's okay. like the only time he's thrown a 50, yeah. 50 ball up to yeah. just, to just lob and, it up later like that. Yeah. It, it didn't go his way, but he also has what I think was the best throw that he had of his entire SC career, which is that touchdown pass where he steps up in the pocket to, to Brendan Rice yeah. steps up in the pocket, sort of is throwing at a weird angle and just puts it right in the bread basket. It's an insane catch. Yeah. Uh, puts it, you know, perfect spot for Brendan Rice to uh, to score on the seventy four yard touchdown. But even even you know, you look at the fourth quarter. The game is absolutely a blowout. UCLA is up thirty eight to thirteen. There's no reason to you know. I would say there's reason to give effort, but you know what I mean? There's like every reason in the world for, for people to stop caring and to really just give up and lay over. Uh, And Caleb Williams is there making, you know, spins in the backfield and trying to do his best to will a touchdown drive. And he does, he converts a fourth down pass to, to Taj Washington. Like he did his job as best as he could. Uh, but it just wasn't good enough for the rest of the offense. Like they still had the turnovers. Those turnovers were a problem. It was the, the fourth downs, like even despite everything he did, he could not get SC over the hump, um, which I think is an indictment on everything else. Like I, I, I saw a, we, we got a tweet, um, uh, a, a tweet on Twitter. Yeah. Cause that's where tweets are. Um, it was, uh, I need to pull this up because it was, I wanted to discuss it. It was about, uh, Caleb Williams legacy. Uh, and oh, that his legacy is is a weird one because he went seven and seven in his last 14 games, never won a bowl game, won't have won a conference championship. Uh, but he still won the Heisman and he still be, will be considered an all-time great. I don't think anyone is holding this record against Caleb Williams, and if right? They are. They're being ridiculous. I, well, okay. First of all, I, I think the outside, like, you know, Oklahoma fans that don't like Caleb Williams are going to hold that against them. Sure. Uh, people who don't like Caleb Williams for whatever reason, because of the nails are going to hold that against them. But like, are you like, did you, did you watch the games? Like, even in the Notre Dame game where he has his worst game of his career by throwing all those picks, like, like the, he's not the reason they are, they, they went seven and seven in his last 14 games. He is not the reason, you know, like, I, I, I I, I don't think we should hold this against his legacy. Are, Are we holding it against Sue Craven's legacy? That's that they went eight and six in his junior year. 
and that that was the reason that he wasn't an All-American and that's the reason he's not on the All-American wall? Are we holding that against Sewer Cravens? No. So then why should we hold it against Caleb Williams? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, his legacy is that he won a Heisman Trophy. He had an incredible season last year. He had a season this year that I, I think doesn't necessarily translate to statistics or to anything else because there are good numbers. There are bad numbers. You can, you can argue any sort of argument for Caleb Williams this year. But I think if you watched the game, you would have seen how hard this man played, how good he is and how, if he had an offensive line in front of him, if he had the 2019 USC receivers uh, and if all these things, things would have been better, but those things aren't the case because they weren't, they weren't better. And last year, you know, people could say, oh, well, you know, this team would be bad if it wasn't for Kayla Williams. Yeah, that was stupid because he was there. And you can't just sit there and say this team would suck if not for Caleb Williams because he was there. And that's why SC didn't suck. This year, he was still there and the team didn't win games. And he was he didn't take this big step back, this big, you know, regression. Uh, and I know that there's frustration in like, from I think there's there's fans that wanted to see him run the ball more, uh, that he holds the ball too much. I think that's a you know valid criticism, and that's something that we've talked about before with the responsibility of quarterbacks as they get older is to be more of a presence in the pocket. And I think that if he would have evaded, um, if he would have evaded the pocket more, I think it certainly could have helped, but also. That, again, wasn't the reason why he was put in spots with the offensive line not protecting the way that they were. Um, like, his, his legacy is not, is not being 7-7 seven and seven in his last 14. I'm his, sorry, it's not. His legacy is being one of the very, very few players in college football history who have a Heisman Trophy. His legacy is, is, is being the greatest quarterback that I have seen play the game at the college level. That's, that's his legacy wins and losses. It's already silly that we, uh, that we ascribe wins and losses to quarterbacks when a quarterback is one of 22 on the field. And yes, they have some of the greatest impact over the way that a game is played, but also are powerless half of the time. And Caleb Williams was powerless half of the time. And USC lost games specifically because of that. Yeah. USC lost games specifically because of, I mean, look at the, the cotton bowl. Nothing about Caleb Williams performance was the issue there. Yeah. The Utah game, the, the, in the regular season last year, last year, the dude threw five touchdowns at rice Eccles at night. What more you're supposed to do at rice Eccles at night as (laughs) a quarterback. I do not know what more you're what more you yeah. are expected to do to to cement your legacy. This year, he willed USC to victory against Arizona straight up. Yeah. Um a game that USC absolutely should have lost a million times over, but yeah. for Caleb Williams. Um he's not a perfect quarterback. That's perfectly fine to say so. He's not a perfect quarterback. Uh he is a, a quarterback who is still very young, who's still learning how to balance his playmaking with his decision-making. He's still learning uh, how to um, 
how to you know make reads and know know what he's supposed to do and mm-hmm. what's best for the team and what's best for him and all of those kinds of things. He's still learning all of those things. That that can happen. That that's yeah. that's perfectly fine. We don't have to sit here and say that he is the finished article or the most perfect um quarterback that 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 has ever lived, but he's as good as they come. And um I and it's it's frustrating that the nuance of Caleb has is and has been great. Caleb made some plays in a game that were not great, but that that doesn't change the fact that he is still a net mega positive uh, for for USC's trajectory, USC's team, and and all of that kind of stuff. Everything yeah. USC going seven and five is not because Caleb Williams was their quarterback. I can tell you that much. Yeah, it it's because the 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 defense was atrocious. It's because the offense couldn't overcome the the flaws on the offensive line. It they couldn't under, overcome a lot of these things. And what does it all point back to? Coaching in so many different ways, right? Like, yeah, the, I think the, there was a lack of execution in so many different areas. But how many times can you point to a lack of execution and not just say that? Well. well why, why is that? Like, it can't just be a lack of execution every week. Um, yeah. The, the, the offensive line wasn't good enough this year. Absolutely. Um, well, this is an offensive line that was sort of handpicked by this coaching staff uh, in the transfer portal. So did they pick the wrong guys? Did they not coach them up together? Did, was the problem that they didn't get enough um, uh, time to gel and have the chemistry that you need more chemistry than one off season. Is that the problem? Maybe, but then you shouldn't be in a position to have to rely on transfer guys then. And I know that, that that's not that's completely the thing from USC's control here. And that's why, yeah. that's why when it comes to the offense, I'm, I'm disappointed, but I'm rather Zen in, in the sense that I don't think that USC is in danger of fielding an offense that's that's bad next year. I think it will take a step back from being the elite level that Caleb Williams brings it to. Yeah. But um, it's still going to be a very effective offense next year, in in my opinion. Um, in part because the offensive line rebuild has already begun. They're already in in sort of in that mode, but they couldn't. You can't speed that up, and and we certainly learned that with the transfer portal stuff. Uh, that I've I've mentioned before the idea that um, you can't rebuild your offensive line through the portal because you don't have that time to build chemistry. You don't have uh, the 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 ability to just plug and play three or four different guys into an offensive line unit and have them all be ready to gel and also cross your fingers and hope that you have injury luck and all of that kind of stuff the whole way through. So it's it's a difficult piece for the for the offense, but. Um, it's a piece that USC is working to sort out and will hopefully take a step towards sorting out next year as, as they continue to recruit and bring in guys uh, that they, that they need. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like you could speed up that process. If you had hit on any of the elite offensive line recruits from last class, you could speed up that rebuild if you hit on elite offensive line local elite offensive line prospects for this coming class all of that kind of stuff so like there there are definitely things that usc needs to figure out right on offense but it's yeah. um it's well, also the area where they couldn't 
they couldn't just hit the hit advance button and and move forward to have it be fixed by the time the 2023 season was around. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I think there's a lot of areas where I think you could absolutely, you know, fix completely everything with, with the transfer portal. Like um, Andrew in the chat points out that UCLA rebuilt its, its defense uh, through transfers. Yes. And so did Oregon. Um, and I think SC tried to do that this year and could not get it to do to, to go. I think that, um, but the problem is you can't sit here and say that the, the transfer portal didn't work out on either side of the ball. Um, and, and have so, it, sort of the, the excuse of anything else. Cause like, but it th- worked then, out and it didn't, this is the problem. Any transfer what part portal did, did it work out? Marshawn Lloyd, uh, Brendan Rice was a transfer in. I'm talking about the, the uh, this past off season the, uh, though. This past off, well, Marshawn, Mar- Marshawn Lloyd, okay. Alexander. Yes. Arguably, outside from Caleb Williams, the two best players on the team most of the season. Yes. And how about every, but, but I think like, Christian did Roland, there? Christian Roland Wallace has, if not for everything around him being horrific, has been but a perfectly did there, adequate addition. Did their impact affect USC's performance on the field? I would say no. But that's my point, though, is that when it comes to transfers, people need to remember the thing that we've been saying all along, back from before Lincoln Riley arrived, that with transfer, the reason we were going into the 2022 season saying, slow your horses, guys, it's going to be a process. Let's see how it goes, is because the transfers are all still 50-50 propositions. Yeah. And you're going to hit on half of them, you're going to miss on half of them. And that's sort of what we've seen from, from USC and the transfer portal. Yeah. So... You hit on Bear Alexander, great, but the fact that you didn't hit on a linebacker didn't, you know. But but I think I, I think it needs to not just be this this uh, thing about hitting on it or or not, because you I think you need to be able to put your guys overwhelmingly in position to succeed, whether or not you're hitting on them or not. And I think that so much of of SC's issues for the last fifteen years has been whether or not they hit on somebody in recruiting or the transfer portal or not. Uh, you look at all the great recruits that SC has had in the last 15 years. Uh, I mentioned Sue Cravens, uh, Leonard Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay, those are three guys. There's Adoree Jackson. We can go on the list of all the dudes who, Drake London, who panned out and all those things. But there's also the the dudes that that didn't the five star guys the 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 Monty Jackson who's a five star guy who's not playing like one right um, we we can we can talk about the all of the the five star talent that SC got in the 2014 class that didn't end up coming to fruition right uh, and not just guys like Osa Messina who did things to take themselves off the roster with off the field stuff. It, it It's more than that. Right. And the, if you were, if SC got, was able to get the most out of their players um, in every single coaching staff, I think those coaching staffs would have still been here. And here we are um, under the Lincoln Riley regime. These are supposed to be the things that were supposed to be better. They're not. The Trojans are not developing their players on offense or defense. On offense, I really thought that the, that you would see a lot of development of guys uh, at receiver and on the offensive line, and that hasn't been the case. This year, those were the, the two weak points on the offense, uh, and I think it hurt SC specifically 
leading to things like turnovers and whatnot. And yes, you, you got Marshawn Lloyd who looks great and he has his big moments and all those things, but I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but like running backs, you can find like the impact of a running back is so minimal compared to the offensive line. And when the offensive line isn't working for you, uh, that sort of dooms everything else. And then you look at defense on defense and how the Trojans are not able to develop those guys rather than just, you know, did, did we, did, did we, did we win the lottery or not? Uh, is this a sewer Cravens or is this a Jamel cook? Right, but uh, Like, like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that you should be able to, to, you know, foster and develop these things. Yes, uh, and and what you're talking about is is the long term is creating long term health of your program. Yeah, and USC clearly doesn't have that on the the defensive side of the ball. I think right. Lincoln Riley needs to open his eyes and maybe do a do a an evaluation of his offensive staff um, because and you know okay this is this is me. I have long scoffed at the idea of a special teams co- coordinator just because. I've been through a special teams coordinator that everyone thought sucked and USC special teams was, was terrible. And, uh, we've, we've got an unwanted visitor in the, in the green room who may be <laughs> doing things, trying to, to, uh, <laughs> he's been removed. Yeah. J- Jake popped in for a second. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but, um, the, uh, the, well, I don't even remember what I was saying. Um, the, the coaching on, on the offensive side that really needs to do an evaluation of what it is that he's getting out of those, because I'm not in favor necessarily of having a dedicated special teams coordinator, yeah. but I will say if you're going to have an outside wide receivers coach and an inside wide receivers coach, mm-hmm. your wide receivers better block better than USC's wide receivers have blocked this year and be more reliable than USC's wide receivers have been uh, this year. And, you know, you can ask questions on the offensive line. You can ask questions um, all all over, all over the the place. Uh, But those are, those are the big questions that Lincoln Riley has to answer so that the development of players is, 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 is obvious. I, I, this is the thing I think is so fascinating is, and I, I know this sounds absolutely wild to say, I think it really could be, could be it. it, I'm I'm not saying it is, but it could end up being like the biggest blessing in disguise that this season absolutely imploded. If it's what forces um, a lot of inward, um, a a lot of looking inward and and addressing, you know, the shortcomings that way. Yeah. We know that Lincoln Riley is going to have to rebuild the, the coaching staff on defense. And so all those frustrations that you talk about, about the defensive guys uh, not developing and all of that um, is, you know, uh, Angelo in the chat, Corey Foreman, uh, Iman Marshall, Jack Jones, like these guys who came in as five stars and maybe didn't play at a five-star level. Um, And, you know, Corey Foreman is still there. Right. So you, you hope that that changing the, the defensive coordinator is what's able to propel you to being able to develop those guys, right? And getting the defensive coordinator higher right, if you do, which is a big if, but if you do, could be the thing that just is such a big change because 
if you have a, a defense that can stop on the stop teams on the short field, suddenly a game like today uh, changes on a dime. The 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 Oregon game and the Washington game are considerably different. The Cal game is considerably different. Every single game that SC played this year, for the most part, is considerably different, right? So when I'm saying that it could be a blessing in disguise that the, that the season went absolutely to hell, is I think that Lincoln Riley has to sit here and have, has to like sort of look at literally everything. He's not getting fired this year. Um, he, he makes too much money and he won too many games last year. He's not getting fired. That's not how it works. But I think the season absolutely going to hell and the Trojans being embarrassed at the way that they, they were today against UCLA and being out coached, out played, out efforted, out everything. If that doesn't force you to sit there and make changes and sit, sit there and force you to rethink everything that you're doing um, and improve as a coach, then what will? And we've talked about it before that, you know, Lincoln Riley has never failed like this before. And this is a big reason why so many of the, of the, the issues of the 10 and two seasons and 11 and one seasons and whatnot uh, continued was because he didn't fail enough. Well, you can't say that anymore. SC failed plenty this year and you have to, you have to answer the bell now. You have to like, I mean, that that's the, that's the question. That's the big question is does Lincoln Riley have it in him to answer the bell? And, um, I think that he is in a difficult situation now because yeah. he has lost a large swath of the fan base um, for a variety of reasons. Um, there are a lot of people who feel like they were sold a, a false bill of goods. Um, there are a lot of people who... I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to butt in here. I, I've seen multiple like tweets and stuff um, thanking, saying that the the sold a bill of bad goods or whatever the phrase is um, and thanking Oklahoma fans for, for something along the lines of thank you to Oklahoma fans for warning us about, about Lincoln Riley or whatever. I'm sorry, but Oklahoma fans don't get to put a feather in their cap and say that they called this. They do not get to do it. You you know what? I've been thinking about this. I literally thought about this the entire drive home. You know what the analogy is? Oklahoma fans were were dating a millionaire who was taking them out on the town. They went to Cannes. They went to Monaco. Uh, they, they went to Aspen. They went to all these places dating a millionaire. They get dumped by the millionaire and then yell from the mountaintops that the millionaire was bad with money. And then it comes out that said millionaire was investing with Bernie Madoff and ends up losing his fortune through Bernie Madoff. Like you're, you're like, you're, you're right. I I guess technically lucked into being, but you lucked into being really, you don't get to sit here and say that. Yes. Oh, actually I knew that Lincoln Riley was bad all along, but also he, was, he went to the play because he left me. And I really like, I, he took you to the playoff three times. Yeah, like you don't get to sit here and say about how bad Lincoln Riley was 
when he was your head coach. Like that's not, no, you're upset because he left. And then the, you know, your little nitpicks ended up being, you know, bigger cracks. And yes, if you want to say that you're right in the, in the, in the very true technical sense, sure. But you don't actually get credit for the whole thing. Like, no, that's, that's not how it works. The spirit of them being right is not right. No. It's, it's, it's silly. It's silly. But, but let's be honest, the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma fans have poisoned the USC fan base because they spent a year of their lives in all of our mentions spouting bull crap left and right. Um, And it, it, I think it got under the skin of a lot of USC fans who are now more quick to jump ship than they would have been uh, otherwise. Right. Um, Yeah. The, the the issue that I see here is is that Lincoln Riley needs to needs to get his stuff together, needs to figure out what what he's going to be at USC. Um, and one thing I can say is that he needs to stop with some of his chosen coach speak lines that he's been on for the last month. Yes, he needs to. Someone needs to go up to him and say, Lincoln. <laughs> stop no you're not um, helping yourself here bud stop it you are undercutting any sense of 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 anything that fans might have um it's it's another case of yes i mean you're right but also you shouldn't be saying these things you shouldn't um, be saying this after a loss the, the lincoln riley quote that came out today that that you know you, you and i were talking about in a, in a group chat before which was about that you know the the basically the the road to glory is 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 Everyone not wants a, a clean road to to the top of the mountain but it, it's jagged reality, it's more jagged and, yeah and and like yeah like he's he's right he's not wrong but also now's not the time to be saying these things i don't know who benefits from hearing these things no. um but it, specifically i'm talking about he he dragged out that line of of the season probably came down to four or five plays that we didn't make and we got to find a way to make those i mean t- yes i mean but if the season but it, also but, but at that point you're saying that the season came down to you beating utah and washington as opposed to not getting blown out by notre dame and ucla which if usc is is uh, ten and two, but with the two losses being blowouts to UCLA and Notre Dame, um, your season's still not. I mean, your season's uh, right. there. There are issues there. Um, my yeah. my concern is that someone needs to talk to Lincoln Riley and tell him, Lincoln, the issues here aren't thirty four thirty two to Utah. 52-42 to Washington. Because I tell you, I know exactly how you fix those scores you get a better defensive coordinator. It's right. really that simple. Yeah. It's not more difficult than that. The, 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 the results of the season, if you flip those games uh, and you still end up in a situation where you got blown out in two games, if you flip the result of the Notre Dame and UCLA game this year, if you win your rivalry games this year, then you can talk about that. Then you can say we're 10 and two, but we won, we lost two games that were, just coming down to to one player or whatever. You can't say that when you had two games where you got blown out, where it wasn't just the mark of one player or two player or five plays or six plays. It was, yeah. you know, let's go 
13 third downs or well, three uh, uh, turnovers or this, that, and the other thing. Like he, I think I worry based on seeing him continue to, to bring out these lines, which I try not to pay attention to because coach speak is coach speak and it doesn't, it's, it's a hot play. Uh, yes. But at the same time, it's like, like the, the, the least of USC's problems were the one or two plays that went awry against Utah and Washington in this season. Yeah. It's the Notre Dame and UCLA blowouts where you implode in the first quarter mm-hmm. that are the issue here that you need to figure out how to fix the handful of plays, Lincoln. You need to figure out how to get your team prepared to play rivalry games. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I think this is one of those things where um, Tim in the chat says that he needs media training, Lincoln Riley. I, I don't know if it's media training per se. Um, and I realize that like all of this doesn't matter because we've talked about this coach with the Clay Helton stuff. Speak. Coach speak is coach speak. And what it comes down to what people are actually frustrated is, is with losing. Yeah. If you win, you can say the same coach speak stuff and nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, what you're actually mad about is losing games. Um, but having said that, I, I do think that I wish that there was some sort of more like, uh, like a political campaign where there's someone in the back room and saying, uh, okay, let's maybe let's not go with this angle. Let's go with that angle. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's rephrase it we've, this way. Let's, we've done some, uh, some crowd polling and yes. uh, the, the, the testing is saying that uh, USC fans are more <laughs> likely to respond positively to you uh, totally and completely just falling on your sword and saying, you know what, yeah, uh, we, we have to play better. And like that sort of route, instead of the softer, um, you know, oh, we're, we're so close, like keep that for in your locker room. When yeah. you talk to the media, you, maybe you got to come out with a little bit more, um, yeah. oomph. but yeah, he doesn't, uh, someone's not saying that to his ear. So yeah. D- Danny says, but his coach speak does seem to indicate that he doesn't understand what's wrong with the team. I, I have, I, I understand this sentiment and that could be the case. I'm not saying that it's not the case, but I think that you need, we need to, to judge these things by actions. What are the actions of the off season? Um, what are the actions of the off season will speak way more than what he says in a press conference right after a game? Uh, yes. Uh, it could be that he's, Truly uh, a believer that there were there were two plays in every game that if you flip those around, SC is uh, eleven and one. Yes, he he could be one of he could be a believer that way. But also, if he goes out there tomorrow uh, and pink slips the entire coaching staff on both sides of the ball, then then what he said in the press conference uh, isn't in line with what he's doing. Right, yeah. like. It needs to be, you, you need to judge these things on the actions rather than, than what, um, than what you hear in a coach speak, uh, press conference more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Kenny in the chat um, said, well, first of all, we, we got a, we got a super chat from, uh, our buddy, Jake. Um, thank you, Jake. Very nice. It's $38 and 20 cents. I wonder why. Well, thank God that wasn't like a 13 to nine kind of game. We would have gotten a lot less this, than the Super this, Chat. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're rolling the dough. Uh, 30, <laughs> 38, 20. Um, 
No, said, now I'm mad that it wasn't like a 65-55. I know. Come on, SC defense. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, no, like uh, you mentioned that he had popped into uh, the back end of our little um, studio here online, our little virtual studio, uh, and said that we had a, a, a intruder. Kenny in the chat said he thought the intruder that we were Jesse. talking about Jesse, but Jesse's over there. Uh, sleeping away, uh, being a little sleeper. And Alicia, have you heard about sleeper? Have I heard about sleeper? Have you? Because USC fans, if you haven't heard about sleeper, sleeper hosts daily fantasy prop games that you can compete for a chance to win cash prizes. The game is simple for each contest. You're given a pool of props for upcoming games across different sports you pick whether each prop will be over or under the given total, and you can choose up to eight different props for a chance at a bigger win. Uh, if you want to join in on the action, we've got you covered. Sign up with our promo, co- promo code FANSIDED2. FANSIDED2. You can see it on the screen uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, or check, uh, click on the link in the uh, the, the description as well. Uh, fan cited too, and you get to receive a deposit match of up to $100. So using the code fan cited too, when signing up, not only gives you the great reward, but helps support this very podcast. Uh, be sure to use the promo code fan cited too, when you sign up, the offer is not only available to, uh, is only available to new customers who are 18 plus and physically present in valid States. Uh, please remember to always game responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Alicia, we got a bunch to get to, a um, bunch of questions, a bunch of stuff in the chats. Uh, so uh, let's do that, shall we? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You've got mail. All right. Uh, we've been marking a bunch of things that we've seen in the chat. So we're going to run down here and uh, open these up. Um, Tim says, how is it that we make every opponent look like a conference championship contender? It's a valid question. Well, so here's the thing. UCLA has a legitimately good defense this year. Like UCLA's defense is, is very good. Um, they're... They hadn't faced one of the the three sort of, I would say, elite offenses in the conference yet. 
So this was going to be a little bit of a, of a, how for real are they test? And I, I think they went out and, and showed it. Um, USC's issues aside, I think they, that you have to tip your cap to, to UCLA's defense. So um, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is just that USC's defense is that bad. USC's defense is the worst defense that I have ever laid eyes on. Yeah. Uh, so that's, it's easy to look like a juggernaut when the opposing team lets you go, you know, 13 of 20 on third down attempts. Yeah. And I know that we said like, statistically, this is one of the better performances for USC's defense um, that they all, that they only gave up 10 that, points. That on, isn't, on that isn't an, a, uh, a ringing. And it's not great when you're, when you're down here and you're sort of just right. able to step up, but um they only give up 10 points on normal drives. Yeah. Don't get suckered into believing that without the turnovers that UCLA wouldn't have drove. They, yes. would, they it, wouldn't have put up the 30 points that they did offensively because they are an offense that likes to shoot themselves in the foot as much as, as anybody. Yeah. So they would have had many drives that stalled by their own, uh, by, by their own, uh, accord. Yeah. Accord, but they still would have, their own driven seven down too, the yeah. field and done some things. Yeah. That was a Honda joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. And UCLA was 13 of 20 on, on third down. So it, it's not like, like if they weren't good on third down and you just gave up short drives because they were close enough and that you, you can make the argument. Well, see if they, if they had longer drives, they would have stalled every time, but like you, you can't totally make that argument. Yeah. Like, Yes, the defense only had so many short drives that they had to defend. That is a tough spot for them to be in, and it's an unfair position for them to be in. At the same time, this is a defense that doesn't stop people on normal drives either. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's some questions in the chat about UCLA's. UCLA has a good defense Um UCLA has a great defense. In fact, UCLA has arguably the best defense in the Pac-12. Yeah, like don't like that is that is the tr- that is the truth. They have uh, going into this game, they were number one in the Pac-12 in total defense. Um, they were where are they in scoring defense? Number one in scoring defense. Like this is a legitimately great defense. I'm 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 not saying that USC should be content with only scoring twenty points, but. But but it's this was a defense that was capable of of making it hard for USC to score thirty points even on a even on a, a decent day for them. It, it's uh, but but it, that's I, I like the point that you made earlier though. Yes, SC struggled against a very good defense in Utah. Uh, they still scored uh, twenty seven offensive points or mm-hmm. what should have been twenty seven offensive points in that game if it wasn't for two point conversions. Um. And those, those points, like, like they didn't shoot themselves in the foot in the Utah game Mm -hmm. by turning the ball over. So when you're playing a defense who is very good, like UCLA's defense is, you have to be able to, they were number 15 and in SP plus defense, by the way, Um, Utah is 19 Uh, Oregon state. I think who is a damn good defense is 28. So yeah, and Oregon is 22. So, yeah, UCLA is the best defense in the Pac-12, according to SB+. Um, 
you you can't you can't add to their greatness by turning the ball over. You can't you can't add to it. No. Like it, you you should understand that you're not going to have your way with them, but you need to minimize the damage there. And SC did not do that. Uh, but to go to Brian's question, which was why did the offense look so explosive last season? What the hell happened? I I think it's the impact of the offensive line. I think the the offensive line was so good last year. They were so good in run blocking. We talked about this so much last year that SC's offensive line last year was elite as a run blocking offensive line. They were bad in pass protection. Well, what did that mean? That meant that they were able to run the ball when they wanted to last year. You can, you can say that they needed to run the ball more last year. Sure. But whether or not they ran the ball all the time or not, they were successful regardless of when they ran. This year is not the case, which is why I can sit here and say that on a, on a day in which they had three rushing yards that I almost feel like they ran the ball too much because it wasn't, it clearly wasn't working, right? Like it clearly wasn't working for them. Um, and if they would have been able to get push up front and have a offensive line that was a plus and run blocking, Everything changes. So much stuff is easier. They're they're able to keep the defenses off balance by uh, having to account for the run, um, not drop so many guys into coverage. All of those things. So much things. So many things are are better with a better offensive line. Mm-hmm. So much of it. That's it's really that simple, guys. Yeah, the offensive it, line matters. The offensive line last year was able to go up against a very stout Notre Dame run defense and set a tone early in that game by running it down their throat. Yeah. This year's offensive line could not do that. Yeah. And it, and it makes a difference. SC went into Rice Eccles and ran the ball well at Rice Eccles too last yeah. year. Yep. Um, they they did not do that in the Pac-12 championship game, uh, in part because they had two bad injuries on the offensive line. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sean Abita Boston Texas. Why did Caleb Williams refuse to scramble? He opted to throw, uh, into coverage and then stepped to his left. Didn't he, did, did he not want to risk his health, uh, for the draft? I, I don't think it's the draft thing per se. I think it's as quarterbacks get older, they have more responsibility, which means that they're going to end up staying in the pocket and they prioritize their pocket presence. Um, because your legs can be a crutch. Uh, and I think that in a lot of instances, Caleb maybe overcorrected this a little too much by holding the ball, holding on to the ball, maybe a little bit too much this year, wherein he could have, I think run a little bit more and gotten out of the pocket a little bit more, but that's a concerted effort to give him more responsibility and establish more pocket presence. Yeah. And we saw this with Darnold in year two, too. It's hard to, it's hard to necessarily fault him for that when, um, quarterbacks are getting injured left and right in college and the pros. So I look at what happened to Jordan Travis today. Um, I think it's a lot easier to not judge Caleb for protecting his body. Yeah. Or or Cliff in the chat said that Caleb seemed more elusive last year. I don't know that he seemed more elusive as much as I think he was more willing to run. I also uh, think there's there's a big difference between a scramble that begins because the offensive line is broken down immediately and you are forced to abandon all your reads and just go and and run run for your life and a lot of the scrambling that 
Caleb was doing last year, which was sitting back in a clean pocket, going through his reads, not liking what he saw, and then exiting the pocket on his accord and going and running down into open field because uh, the the play had sort of opened up in, in that situation. I, I think we have seen a lot less of that and a lot more of scrambling for his life and then just sort of having to deal with that. Yeah. I, I would have liked to see more designed runs too. Uh, but looking at the numbers, um, Caleb Williams as a in just sheer rushing yards, 435 as a freshman at Oklahoma, 382 last year at SC and a buck 62 coming into today. And then he had what minus 20 today. So a buck 40. Uh, again, a lot of that is sacks. Um, but in terms of just, uh, runs, I think he was, he was also, there were fewer designed runs, uh, or at least fewer keeps on, on the options that he had. I, he did get hurt in the Utah game last year. I don't, I don't know if that's a part of it, but I know that there is always a concerted effort to, as you get older, to have more responsibility by staying in the pocket longer. Um, Kenny says, uh, is it just the the scorned Arizona Cardinal in me, or can I blame Cliff Kingsbury for some of the woes this season? I mean, you can you can blame whoever you want. I'm I'm blaming Bob <laughs> Connolly personally. Um, but uh, yeah, go go right ahead. I I don't have the 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 board um, uh, up, but if I did, I'd, I'd hit all those buttons. Yeah, uh, Andrew says, uh, where should we look for a new DC? Should we look to the pros like UCLA did in the off season? If you can find somebody with pro experience, um, like Deanton Lynn, that would be, that would be cool, but you have to find the right one. You, you can't just, you can't just go to the pros because it worked for UCLA and, and, and just go hire whoever, because, because that's what you do. You need to, um, you need to evaluate whether or not the candidate that you find in the pros is another Danton Lynn or just a, a, a sort of wannabe like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kaylee in the chat says, I feel like we prematurely slash hastily hire head coaches. Uh, and so we somehow end up missing their peak years like Sark, uh, Lane Kiffin, Riley, et cetera. Our timing is off. I, I think that this is, it, it's, it's hard to get the guys at their ultimate peak um because this is like one of those things where it's like free agency in baseball or whatever sport right like you don't want to pay for past performance um sometimes you end up like the angels and and Albert Pujols right um so much of this is about you want to ideally you want everyone to be like uh, the Acuna deal where they signed him for so many years, hoping when he was a rookie that he was going to be the superstar and he ended up being that way. But like the, the guys at the peak, the, the, the Nick Sabans of the world, those guys aren't just available. You know what like, you like, want? Like, you know what you want? What, what, what ideally if, if USC had a head coaching search right now, you know what we would say USC wants? What? USC wants somebody who is proven uh, in the sense that they have won at the the place that they're at, that they are coveted, um, but also young enough to build a program around. Who might that be? 
I mean, I just don't know what. Like, what are you? What do you want? Yeah. USC made the literal perfect hire. I don't know what you want. You yeah. can't make a better hire than grabbing Lincoln Riley, a proven commodity, a coveted commodity, who's young enough to also build a program around instead of having to worry right. about retirement. The you know around the corner. Um, yeah. I don't know what, like, USC, what they did when hiring Lincoln Riley is extremely different from what they did with any other coaching hire. Kiffin and Sark were both Pete Carroll retreads. Clay Helton was a, was an overcorrection of the Ed Orgeron uh, interim mm-hmm. tag Which would thing, have been a mistake also. Which was all, well, all yeah. was, was mistakes. Um, what, Hackett was a former assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh Robinson was an assistant. McKay was an assistant. Like USC has never made a hire like Lincoln Riley in its history, except for Howard Jones. Right. So I, the closest thing is Larry Smith. Um, And Larry Smith is a guy that, you know, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because of how 1992 ended. So yeah. Matt in the chat says swing on young guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the key is, okay. Think of all the coaches in your head right now who are great coaches now or have been great coaches in the last 20 years. Bob Stoops. What was Bob Stoops before he went out of Oklahoma? He was a national championship defensive coordinator. Uh, okay. Uh, Jimbo Fisher won a national title, right? Okay. Well, what was he before for, uh, Florida state got him? He was a national championship offensive coordinator. Uh, okay. Um, what was Nick Saban? Nick Saban was an NFL defensive coordinator. Uh, before and then ended up being a head coach and stuff that way and working himself. You just, like, you just go around, 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 around in circles. What but, it, what it comes down to is that USC made the right hire. They need yes, the right hire to right. get his stuff together. And as Matt in the chat is saying, get the DC right. I mean, yeah. It, 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 but but to to my point, like it's look at Kirby Smart. What was Kirby Smart before he was the the head coach of Georgia? He was a uh, national championship defensive coordinator. Like Lanning over at Oregon, young national championship defensive coordinator. Like those kind of things are what those are the kinds of right, uh, jobs that, that get hired. Million, They're young guys. There are also a million other young guy national champion defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators. There's a lot of Jeremy gone, Pruitt's out who there. Who have gone places and utterly failed. It's yes. all a crapshoot. It's all 50-50. Right. It's all... Yeah. Shooting a shooting at a target and hoping with your eyes closed and hoping you make it. Right. And the best thing you can do is to know where the target is and be hoping that you're th- right. and be thinking that you're making a calculated getting, pointing in that direction. Like, getting the guy who had gone to the playoff three times in his first five seasons was, was the right calculation. I, was was the the most tried and true thing as he could have gotten. Yeah. It has not worked in the first two years. But if you get the defensive coordinator right. Higher well, right. but has it, it not? To, has it not worked in the first two years? Well, it didn't. It did in year one. Yeah. A Heisman winner and eleven wins in year one. Year yeah. two, clearly an abject failure. There's, there's yeah. no getting around that. I just think it's silly that USC gave a head coach a ten year contract, and then everyone is tur- turning around after two years, and we're having to have conversations about USC making a a, a change, like. Friends, USC does not have oil barons who are going to come and buy out Lincoln Riley. Like, get with the program and start understanding that the that Lincoln Riley needs to figure his stuff out, and you need to give him time to do it. Yeah, because he's going to get that time to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And and Orcliff in the and chat says for every Dan Dan Lanning, there's a Dave Aranda. Yes, who fails as the head coach at Baylor. Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it, Lincoln Riley was the best coach USC could could have gotten. That it's not panned out is a different problem. Uh that not panned out as of today that we're talking about right now. That's what that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh is a different problem. Um and if he gets the coordinator hire right, you know, I, 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 we, we were, we were sent a tweet from a Oregon fan, uh, that said, what is not trolling, but how is your fan base feeling about Lincoln Riley after this game? And I responded on Twitter on the, the Ren Troy account. And I said, Grinch and the defense being the fall guy for this season helps Riley stock, but pretty much all initial goodwill is gone with this type of loss to UCLA that the upcoming offseason changes and the plus or minus impact of those changes will be the ultimate referendum in either direction. And, and that's what it, that, that's what it is. And we've talked about it before in college football. That's what usually happens going into year three. Anyways, mm-hmm. like going into year three is okay. You, you have to absolutely like you, 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 you fire your guys. If they're not working, you cut bait and then you go all in on your, uh, all in on your, your, your new coaches. And if they don't work, then, then you got bigger fish to fry. But, uh, if you get these, these coaching, uh, hires, right. Uh, then Lincoln Riley will be, people will sing the praises of him next year. If he, get, if mm-hmm. he gets them wrong, the, the dirty, people are going to be, you know, uh, uh, putting him in effigy, right? Like dir- that, that's how it works about head coaches is this. Your head coach is only as good as your staff. And the thing that sets Nick Saban apart from everybody is that he has had, he has been able to deal with the brain drain and building his staff and and setting a tone for his staff. Um, Pete Carroll had, had that. And then when he lost it, bad things happened to, to USC and, and, uh, and he left like, yeah. Lincoln Riley needs to get his staff right. And if he either can or he can't, and if he, if he gets it right, then things will be fine. If he gets it wrong, then that's a conversation for, for down the line. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ed Ogeron won a national title, um, because he had a good staff. Yes. So. Cause he had the right staff at the right time with the right players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt in the chat says that Trent Bray is holding Washington to 22 points. Do what's right and hire this man. Yeah, uh, Trent Bray, uh, Washington, sorry, Oregon defensive coordinator. Um, absolutely someone who has my 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 eggs are in, in maybe in his basket. I don't know that he's a candidate or anything, but make him one. Go do it. Uh, Michael Penix's numbers right now, 12 for 27. Sound familiar in Corvallis? Corvallis is not a it's mm. not a place to play. Yeah, play well. Uh, HR pick and stuff. Does Dante Williams and Sean Noah return? I, I don't think anyone on defense is, is is back. Everyone on defense should be gone. Yeah, uh, we got a super chat from Dan. Trojans come to the Galen Center. Let Coach Enfield and Coach Gottlieb wipe away your tears with USC hoops. Fight on. Uh, I, I'm guessing that uh, that was written without the. Uh, the remembrance of the UCI game, but cheers. Uh, look at SC just losing to the UC system left and right this week. <sighs> when did they play Davis? Yeah. I don't want to yeah. know. 
Anyways, uh, guys, we're going to wrap up. Um, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to call it there. Um, want to thank you guys, uh, for being on this long, not only on a Saturday night in which you guys probably have way better other things to do, uh, especially in a night in which SC gets absolutely jiggle bagged at the hands of their arch rival. Uh, but want to thank you guys for being with us the whole season. Um, could not do this without you. Uh, we know it's been, you have, you have a lot of, I, I feel like a, uh, like, like a flight attendants. We know you've got a lot of choices, uh, <laughs> but we want to, we want to thank you for flying with us. Yeah. We, we know that there's, there's a lot of SE podcasts to listen to. Um, there, there's a lot of great ones out there and, uh, we appreciate, uh, that you are spending your time with us right now. So, uh, we love you guys. Uh, we appreciate you. We will be back, uh, later on this week. Uh, but also, um, probably not going four times a week, uh, <laughs> as we get into, uh, the bowl season and the off season. I think, I think we all need some, a little bit of time off. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we thank you guys. I think we'll, at some point we'll put up a survey. We usually, we haven't done a survey in a few years, but we usually do a little survey, uh, of our listeners and, um, I think that'd be a good thing to do to get survey you guys to help uh, us improve the show going forward. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. And, um, yeah, and onward and upward and we'll, we'll see you next time. Next, next, next season. So right on forever to your mom, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Our, th- our thoughts are with you. Uh, until next time, we'll see you.